You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. U.S. comedian Jim Gaffigan, he... uh, gets a lot of his material that he uses for his stand-up comedy from his home life. He is married, he has five children. He likes to joke about his large number of children. He says, if you want to know what it's like to have five children, it's like you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. And I think that's kind of true. Now, I only have four children But I think that we should get some extra credit because all four of them are age two and under. That's not so easy. So I think that should count as six or seven children. Things don't always go perfectly smoothly. In fact, of course, they never go smoothly. Our two-year-old twins, we were very proud of them the first couple of weeks after the twin baby newborns came home, the twin boys, they were very loving and nice. And then now they've kind of started to realize that they are no longer the center of our world. So they've begun acting up in their own ways, trying to get our attention back away from these new infiltrators. One of them has decided to basically just howl like a wolf for half an hour straight until we go crazy. She'd rather that we go crazy and notice her than not notice her at all. And then with the babies, uh, I've told a couple of you this, Christian, the, the younger of the twins, he's colicky, which is our first out of the four to be colicky. So uh, we thought that he might be, our big hint was that he cried nonstop. That was how we thought that might be the case. Uh, Even when we had him fed and we had him all changed and everything and, and, and ready to go, he would still just cry and fuss. But we weren't really sure if if he was colicky. Actually, it's it's 2018 and doctors and researchers still don't even know what causes that. So uh, we weren't so confident with our home diagnosis, but We went in for a vaccination on Thursday down to the hospital here and uh, laid him on the exam table in front of the doctor. And within two seconds, the doctor said, that baby's colicky. So we felt good. We were confirmed. Actually, we did not feel good. We felt good that we were right, but we don't feel good that we have to listen to him cry for the next three months uh, until that goes away. And then on top of that, he had another health issue that we had become aware of, and we had to bring him for an ultrasound uh, down to another floor and do that. And then he was getting hungry at the same time. Joshua's hungry too. We're holding him. All of this is happening. And then Gene's worried about the twin girls at home with Grandma. Are they getting fussy? My goodness, drowning is definitely the feeling here. Add to this an international move coming in two weeks, a new job, a new city to learn on our behalf. Frankly, it feels like we are rowing the boat against the wind. Maybe even that we're having water come into the boat as well. 
then the question becomes, did God send us into this? And the answer is yes, absolutely, he did. He called us to Korea, to this church. I absolutely believe that. And during our four years here, he's blessed us now with four children. And now God has called us to a new church to serve back in the U.S. And all of it is crazy, but God is with us in all of this craziness. Someone might say, well, why can't it just be easier? Jesus sent his disciples out onto the lake just as it was getting dark, told them to go over to the other side. I'll meet you there, he says. Jesus, by the way, is God, right? So he's all-knowing. He knew that the wind was going to whip up. He knew that they would be rowing all night and not be able to get to the other side. He knew that they would get blown off course and get frustrated and get tired. He knew all of that. And this was a trial that could have been avoided. And yet he commanded them. The Greek is very clear. He said, get in the boat and go over there. He had to. Their hearts were hard. They still did not get who Jesus was and what he was doing. Now, I didn't grow up with that phrase, hard hearts. It's kind of Christian lingo. But one idiom I did hear a lot growing up was having a thick skull. My mom was particularly fond of that phrase. Uh, or sometimes saying someone is thick-headed. It means that someone takes a very long time to learn something. They're resistant to learning something new or learning the truth. They just don't get it or they just don't want to get it. So I'd like to say that the disciples were thick-headed. We know this because it says they even did not understand about the loaves. By the way, this Jesus walking on the water happens right after he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. It says they didn't understand about the loaves. You know, even though those were the guys that were passing out all the bread and the fish and collecting all the leftovers. They, they didn't get that this was something kind of uh, not normal. So Jesus had to make them row against the wind for a few hours. Do you ever feel like you're there, rowing a boat, but not going anywhere? Do you ever feel like you're not making progress in this life? Maybe not making progress is actually what you need in order to make true progress. Maybe failure or trial or frustration is where you need to be in order for God to finally break through the noise of your life and get noticed. Just like our two-year-old daughters doing anything to get our attention, finally breaking through the noise and getting noticed. It was probably at their peak of frustration. Uh, it says the fourth watch of the night, which I happen to know means 3 a.m. It was at that time that Jesus began to walk out onto the lake. And let me say that again. Jesus walked on the lake. That's kind of a big deal. So much of a big deal that when they saw him, 
their, their brain just could not register what they were seeing. They had no frame of reference to see a man walking around on the lake. It just scared them. So Jesus had to reassure them, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then he gets into the boat. The takeaway of this story is, Jesus is God. Jesus is creator. Jesus not only can command the wind and the waves to stop, even their laws do not apply to him. I've only walked on water when it was frozen solid. And even then, I'm scared half to death I'm going to fall through the ice at some point. I can't imagine walking on water when it was in liquid form. Jesus is God. It's something that we need to be reminded of. He's not just our buddy or friend. He is Lord. And maybe seeing him as a faint silhouette in the middle of the night, it's dark, 3 a.m., and he's walking towards you on water, and suddenly we are starting to get a little bit of awe, a little bit of fear. But you should hear his words as well. Do not fear. It is I. Take heart. It occurred to me that Jesus could have done this miracle very differently. He could have done it in the middle of the day when the sun was up so everyone could see. He could have done it when the crowds were there on the shore listening to him teach. He could have said, hey, everybody, watch this and hopped around on the water for a little while. He could have done a tap dance out there. But he did not do that because Jesus is not a novelty act. Instead, he did this in the middle of the night, on a windy night, in front of a very limited audience. Because he was doing it to teach them something very specifically. That Jesus is Lord of everything. That's something that we say every week in our worship service. We say, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. We say that. But sometimes we're thick-headed. Sometimes we forget what that even means, that he is Lord. Instead, we get bogged down rowing our boats as fast as we can all night, getting exhausted, wearing ourselves out, getting scared, getting worried. But Jesus is still Lord. And the only way to get that, the only way to truly understand this sometimes is to be placed somewhere in the darkness, in the wind, and really, really need him. Lately, I've kind of lost all sense of time, and I think Jean, my wife, has as well. Fourth watch, 3 a.m., I've been there regularly lately. Also, the first watch, and the second watch, and the third watch, I've seen all the numbers on the clock these last few weeks. Gene even more than me. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six a.m. They're both asleep. Maybe now we'll get some sleep. And then 
two-year-olds wake up and run over to our bedroom. Wow, okay. I think at this point, honestly, if I saw Jesus walking on the water, I would not even be surprised or scared. I would just say, hi, Jesus, can you hold Christian for a minute? Maybe give him a bottle. Take heart. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Sometimes this is all I need. This is what I need more than anything. To be reminded of, hey, I'm here. It's going to be okay. I am with you. Even in this moment that you're up against the wind, I am with you. And thick-headed, hard-hearted me, I need to hear this again and again. Just like those disciples. So I say to you this morning, whatever you are going through, see Jesus approach you. Not just walking on the water, but in, on, and under the water of holy baptism. Not just walking on the water, but see Jesus approach in, on, and under the bread and the wine at this altar. See him come to us as we seek him in word and in prayer. See him come at 3 p.m. or 3 a.m. or wherever and whenever you need him. And know this as well, that he comes as Lord. And he comes with these words, take heart, it is I. Stop being afraid. Amen.